Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. If this is your first time here, we are one location, uh, we are one church, but in many locations. This is one of six locations uh, right across Australia, uh, and I don't believe that you are here uh, by accident. I don't think it's a coincidence that you are here, um, despite the fact that our, pa- our head pastors are not here. Um, I believe you're here because God had predestined you to be here. I believe there's a seed that needs to be planted. Maybe there's an encouragement that you need today. Whatever that reason is, I'm so glad that you're here. Um, and you guys make the place look a whole lot better too. So, um, awesome. Uh, so, if you are here for the first time, um, uh, you will ha- just be hearing right now that we are in our series called Worship. Really simple. We had some awesome praise and worship. We'll have a time of worship uh, in a little bit as well. Um, But we've had an awesome time looking at what worship is and how we worship. So week one was, uh, week one we had Pastor Marty talking about the fact that God is omnipresent, which means he is everywhere at all times. Uh, And Pastor Marty talked about the fact that when we accept God as our Lord and Savior, His Spirit gets to live inside each and every one of us. Uh, You also get an opportunity to to make that decision yourself at the end of this. Last week, Marty talked about King Jehoshaphat. We talked about the fact that uh, worship is a weapon. We talked about the fact that worship is what we go to battle with. King Jehoshaphat, uh, which is, as Marty said, an interesting name, not one of those like baby name, or like high on the baby name list. It might be, but I don't, I mean. Um, But King Jehoshaphat took Israel out to battle, and who does he put on the front line there? The worship team. So you got this line of uh, people wearing skinny jeans and denim jackets, maybe uh, a few too many tattoos and piercings, maybe uh, carrying their acoustic guitar or their harp or whatever that looks like for them, right? Uh, Possibly singing Kumbaya, I don't know what that was like, right? But what were they doing? They had an enemy in front of them God called them to bring their worship and their praise before them, and God brought the victory. And then today, we're talking about worship brings freedom. So today, I'm going to bring you two thoughts. Just been letting you know how, how this is going to pan out. I'm going to bring you two thoughts. I'm even going to give them to you early. So for all the note takers out there, you don't have to wait to the end of the message. Uh, note takers, uh, I believe, are the people who will get into heaven first. Uh, you bring your notebook, uh, show it to God. It'll be like a fast pass, um, which I'm told is necessity for Adventure World, but I've never been, so I don't know. Um, And these two thoughts are this. 
Number one is, and they'll be on the screen behind me, worship is more than music. Worship is way more than music. Thought number two is this, praise helps us break through. Praise helps us break through. We're going to pray real quick, uh, and then we'll dive into God's Word. So uh, every head bow, every eye closed. Father God, we just thank you right now that we have the opportunity to talk about bringing praise, honor, and glory to you, and worshiping you with more than just our lips, but with our lives as well. So God, I pray that our hearts are good soil right now. Wouldn't you deposit something in our lives today? In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Awesome, all right. So to unpack our first thought that worship is more than music, I thought what better place to start than the very first time we see the word worship used in the Bible, all right? Now, uh, contrary to popular belief, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't with a band, uh, it wasn't with a wicked guitar surrounded by a screen, it wasn't with uh, Slash shredding on his guitar or anything like that. Um, it was in Genesis 22, and what we're about to read is an act of simple obedience. So Genesis chapter two, uh, 22, we're going to read from verse 1 to 6. Uh, if you have your Bibles, I'll let you turn to that. I'll give you a minute. Uh, holler at me when you have found it. Give me a little woo. Like, yep, okay, I heard I woo. I'm going. All right, Genesis 22, this is 1 to 6. And it goes like this. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son. Now, just to put this into context, Abraham, the father of many nations, uh, if you grew up going to church or you went to a Christian school, you probably heard the song, Father Abraham. He's that Abraham. All right, Father Abraham had many sons, boom, boom, many sons had Father Abraham. That's the guy we're talking about. So he's taking the one son he's waited a hundred years for, right? There are some people in here who have been waiting years for children, Could you, and I just feel a f- frustrated and wrestling with God. Could you imagine having to wait a hundred years for a promise that God had given you? Take your son, your only son, whom you love, good to know, Isaac, and go to the region of Moria. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain. I will show you. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set it on uh, the. He set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. This is more than just heading around to the IGA that's around the corner from your house. This is a three-day journey. 
He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will, this is where you participate and say worship. Worship. Nice, well done. And then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife as the two of them went on together. I think it's safe to say Abraham wasn't heading up the mountain with his acoustic guitar, his little egg shakers to keep rhythm, or his cajon to sing kumbaya around a campfire. This is not that type of worship. You see, the word worship here is the Hebrew word shaha, right? Which, depending on the translation, kind of roughly appears about 170 times, uh, maybe a little bit more in some, a little bit less in others, uh, 170 times in the Old Testament. Now, this word shaha simply means to bow down, to humble or to submit yourself to God or to something. So to put very simply, worship is humbling ourselves, bowing down and submitting to God. For some of us in the room, and uh, don't point at anyone, don't look at anyone because they'll know you're thinking about them. This is good news, that worship is not just about music. It's not about holding a key. It's not about clapping in time. Um, And in your head, some people are going, amen, hallelujah. You see, but what does this look like practically? Abraham's worship was his obedient to God's call. Our daily worship should be the same. When we help that person that God puts in our heart, or we forgive that person, even though, oh God, you don't understand the grief they've put me through. You don't understand how frustrating this person is to work with. You don't understand that every time they turn around in bed, they roll like this and move the whole bed. (laughs) That is worship. That when we stop lying to ourselves, now this is, a, this, this is a big one and I think this affects everybody in the room. When we stop lying to ourselves and saying that that thing we felt we had in control but don't want to tell anyone about, we finally humble ourselves, lay it down. For some people it could be anger. For some people it could be an addiction. For some people it could be working. Maybe it's our thoughts. Maybe it's our fear. But when we humble ourselves and God, I'm not in control of this, wouldn't you take it from me and replace it with your love, your joy, your peace, your patience? That is worship. You see, when we lay down our desires, when we lay down what the flesh wants, when we submit to God's plan for our life, this is worship. So thought number one is this, worship is more than just music, which brings me now to thought number two, and it's this, praise helps us break through. 
There's a story in Acts chapter 16. So the book of Acts is where we see the early church start to uh, get some legs and they're starting to grow and do incredible things. Um, We're going to go from verse 22. But now to put this story into context, uh, Paul and Silas are together. We're looking at Paul and Silas. There's a girl who is demon-possessed, and she can tell uh, people's fortunes. Now, people are profiting off this. It says they cause them her masters, right? They would go and read people's fortunes, and they would make these people money. Now, as Paul and Silas come in, they set this girl free from demon possession. But what does that mean? It means she can't tell the fortune. She can't tell fortunes anymore. She can't make money for her masters. And when you take people's money away, and they have and money is lord over their life, that makes them do crazy things. So we're about to see uh, Paul and Silas. Um, not given a trial, but beaten or flogged and then thrown into prison, all right? So that's where we're at here. So this is verse 22. Again, if you don't have your Bibles, it will be up in the screen behind me, but it goes a little something like this. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they, had ha- uh, after they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening to them. I want you to take note of that. The other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was a violent earthquake that the, uh, there was was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everybody's chains came loose. The jailer woke up and when he saw that the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself. Uh, though the prisoner uh, thought the pri- uh, because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, "Do not harm yourself. We are all. Everybody say all. All. We are all here. Every single prisoner was still in their jail cells." The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe God, he and his whole family. Verse 35 says this, when it was daylight, 
the magistrates set their, uh, sent their officers to the jailer with the order, release those men. The jailer told Paul, the magistrates have ordered that you and Silas be released. Now you can leave, go in peace. We see here that when Paul and Silas praised God, despite their circumstance, despite what uh, had been done to them, despite what, the, despite what it looked like, they praised God regardless. God moved and shook open the prison cells. Why? I don't believe it was so that they could do this awesome prison break and then make a TV series out of it and make lots of money, right? I don't think that God opened the doors so that they could escape. I believe that God had a greater plan for their life and for this situation. You know, I think too often we pray to God to release us from uncomfortable situations, but we never stop to think or never stop to ask God, God, what do you want to do through me in this situation? You see, the other thing that we need to look at here is that the jailers were all listening. They were in the same situation as these guys, as Paul and Silas. And what did they see Paul and Silas do? Instead of moan, instead of complain, instead of throw stuff at the guards as they passed, instead of talking about how this is unfair and I didn't do it and I don't deserve to be here and like what there's heaps of people that are worse than me and they've got it better than I do like why am why are they out there and I'm in here instead of moaning and complaining they sing Paul and Silas simply praise and sing hymns to God you see at the end of this story, we see, the, uh, we see the jailer about to take his own life and what happens, he encounters God and his family are radically saved. They get baptized, praise the Lord, and they're filled with joy. Why? Because Paul and Silas, despite their circumstances, worshiped God with their lives as well as their lips. So we're going to come to a close soon. I'm going to invite the band up. But I want to leave you with two questions, and then we're going to go into, uh, we're going to go into some worship of our own. My first question is this. What area of your life do you need to worship or submit to God? You see, there are some people in here, and you're saved. You've been saved, but you haven't let God speak into areas of your life. Those areas are off limits. For some people, it's their relationships. For some people, it's their finances. For some people, it's, oh, God, like, you don't understand. Like, I can't forgive that person. 
And the reality is God won't move on the parts of our lives we ask him not to touch. If we feel like we don't wanna be out of control or if we feel like we know better for ourselves, so God, if you butt out of that area, you can have everything else. But is that truly a life in worship to God? Or is that just the stuff that we don't know what to do with it? So we'd, we'll give that to God, but everything else is too precious. And so we're just gonna hold on to that really tight. You see, you got saved, but you can't forgive. Even though you yourself have received forgiveness for a lifetime of not walking with God, You trust God uh, to help you find a parking spot on a, busy, uh, on a busy weekday, but you wouldn't trust God with your family's salvation. You wouldn't trust God with every area of your life because, I mean, God just doesn't understand. How could God ask something so severe if, if he only knew, if he only knew how important this was to me? He wouldn't ask that of me. We want God to increase our finances, but we don't wanna write a budget or trust God with the 10% he asks us to bring back. And then we expect him to trust us with 100% more. What area of your life do you need to bring back and worship God with? Can I remind you that the lost, can I remind you that non-believers are watching how and what we worship? Have you ever had someone come up to you and be like, that doesn't seem very Christian-like? Oh, boils my blood every time. But the reality is they're watching. My second question is this, is do you want to accept the true freedom that comes when we accept God into our lives? You see, I have no doubt that in this situation here, when we read about Paul and Silas, Paul and Silas were the prisoners. The jailer would have been the one living in what would have felt like freedom, but he wasn't living in true freedom. When the Israelites are in the desert, moving towards the promise of God, they're free from slavery, but they're still held captive by old mindsets. Why? Because they pursued the promise of God without truly submitting their whole life to God. So instead of spending 40 days and 40 nights in the desert, they spend four generations waiting to see God's promise brought to their families. Don't leave it to the next generation to undo or break the chains off your life that you have the power to change right here, right now. 
Don't walk around being saved but not set free. Um, this is just a thought uh, that just a thought that I was challenged with. Um, so we work as so Jackie and I work as chaplains. I have the privilege of working at a really awesome school um, as the chaplain, and we we're having this. I was having this God conversation, and this thought was brought to me: How can we serve a God who created everything, knows everything? and still be riddled and held captive by things like anxiety and fear when we serve a God who has everything in his hands. And I gotta be honest, when I was asked that, I was like, I don't know what to tell you. That's a good question. But it challenged me, what areas of my life are held captive by fear. God, if you want me to bring a word, how do I live what you've put on my heart? So we're gonna go into a time of worship now. So I'll get everyone to stand for me. And we're gonna sing a song, More Than Able. And this is a song that talks about the fact that despite the incredible things we've seen God do time and time again, He never fails and His Word says He never will. What do we hold on to too tightly in our lives and say, God, I trust you with everything but that? Or maybe it's, I don't trust you with anything, God. The reality is I've never been shown what it looks like to trust anyone but myself because everybody in my life has let me down. I'm gonna give you an opportunity, just like the jailer at the end of this story, to give your life to God. But before we do that, why don't we bring worship and praise to our God?